invite you to turn in your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 2. This is a passage that John Glass brought to us in the first service, and I'm going to continue in that theme in this second service. It's the story of how God anointed Elisha, who was the disciple of Elijah. And today, being Father's Day, we will see how this father-son relationship in the Spirit was a key to Elijah's life and to his successor and to Elisha's ministry as he was anointed following the withdrawal of Elijah. So we're going to read from verse 7 right to the end of verse 15. Fifty men from the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance, facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped the Jordan. Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, and struck the water with it. The water divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. When they'd crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me, what can I do for you before I'm taken from you? Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. You've asked a difficult thing, Elijah said. Yet, if you see me, when I'm taken up from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, it will not. As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them, and Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and the horsemen of Israel. And Elijah saw him no more. Then he took hold of his garment and tore it in two. Elisha then picked up Elijah's cloak that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. He took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and struck the water with it. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah, he asked. When he struck the water, it divided to the right and to the left, and he crossed over. The company of the prophets from Jericho who were watching said, The spirit of Elijah is resting on Elisha. Clothed with power from on high. This story tells us a great deal about how God's power and God's anointing operates in our lives. And it centers on this transference of prophetic calling from one generation to the next generation. Elijah was a man singularly used by God, did things under prophetic anointing that had never been done before, raising from the dead great signs and wonders and miracles. A man who was called by God to confront the big spiritual issues of the day. And in those days, even in our days, we need men and women who will rise up with strong prophetic anointing, who will be able to confront the real issues that are facing us in our generation. In that generation, the people of Israel had turned their back upon the Lord, the God of Israel. They were following other gods at every level, governmentally, politically, and religiously. There was an implementation of a false religion, following false standards, and there was a, no longer a heart after God. And you remember that Elijah on Mount Carmel had called down fire from heaven to demonstrate that the Lord, the God of Israel, He is the true God, and He is the living God. And we as the people of God in our generation have exactly that same mandate from heaven. We are called as His people to demonstrate that Jesus Christ is Lord. And that, that means at times we have to confront the forces that are operating, the false claims, whether it's in philosophy, ideology, 
the false claims of governmental leaders over us who call us and are virtually seeking to force us into a mold which is not of heaven's making. And the Bible makes it absolutely clear that we as the people of God must stand strong in any generation to give not just a verbal witness and testimony, but an anointed presentation of who God really is. The Lord, He is the true and the living God. Oh yes, people are very entitled to make their own claims towards truth as to how we should live, towards morality, what, we, what they consider should be, you know, what is right and wrong. But as believers in the Word of God, we are anchored in the Scriptures and we are anointed and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now this story is the story of a father and a son. Not so much a physical father and son, it was... Elisha was not the physical son of Elijah the prophet, but he was one of his followers. In fact, there were many, as they were called, sons of the prophets. And, and each and every one of these in the school of the prophets were kind of in some kind of training, looking for how they could move into the ministry that God had given to them. And the mentoring program that was taking place was headed up by Elijah the prophet. And one of the things that we've sought to establish in this church is a structure, a mentoring structure in which every single person has the opportunity to be mentored in the ministry. It's not just about teaching you how you can follow Jesus Christ as a, as a good, loyal church member, but as how you can also rise up to fulfill your ministry. And so some of the things that are going to be said this morning are directly applicable to you in your situation. Now, I want to pick this up first of all. And that is that Elijah said to Elisha, you want the double portion of my spirit. You want the double portion blessing. Many people say, well, this means that Elisha was going to be given the ability to be twice as successful, twice as powerful, and do twice as much as the prophet Elijah. Some people can even go through the Bible, I've done it myself, and, and proved that uh, Elisha did twice as much as Elijah. But that is not the heart of this message. The double portion inheritance was given to the firstborn son. Did you notice that in ancient Israel? The firstborn son received a double portion of the inheritance. In fact, received twice as much as any of the other sons. And what Elisha was saying was, I'm following you closely, but I want you to acknowledge that I am your firstborn. I am the person closest to you, and that I have served you, and I've been with you, and I want that inheritance as your firstborn son in the Spirit. That's why when Elijah was taken up, Elisha didn't just stand up and say, Hallelujah, the old man's gone, and now it's my turn. Hallelujah, now I, I, get to, I get to stand in the pulpit. Now they're going to put my name in magazines. Now I'm going to be the senior minister. Now I'm going to be the head of the denomination. Now I'm going to be the head of this movement. I'm going to be the number one guy. It was not about seeking promotion in the eyes of men and women. When he cried out, when he saw Elijah taken away, his words were, my father, my father. He was bereft in spirit because there was a spiritual connection between Elisha and Elijah. Elisha was not just the servant of Elijah. Of course, he poured water on the hands of Elijah. Yes, he was carrying his bags. I'm sure he did the check-in at the, at, the, uh, you know, at the airport. I'm sure he was carrying the bags. I'm sure he did all those kind of things. But it was not just about serving the man of God. There was a connection, a God-given connection. And that God-given connection is at the heart of church life. Let me give some moments on this. It's at the heart of church life, and it's the secret of flowing in your power and anointing as a child of God, as a son of God, and as a daughter of God. Let me put it to you this way. People who are part of churches these days... I don't know who you are. Maybe you consider Kensington Temple your church. And the doors are open. We don't get you to sign a membership form on the way in. 
We don't check your name on our register. Have you paid your tithes for a month? If you haven't, then you've got to sit at the back, only half a portion of blessing for you. We don't measure your, uh, the blessing we pour into your life by your commitment to us as individuals. We just share God's word. We minister powerfully and, and anybody can come and be blessed. But that is not what church life is all about. At the heart of church life is a spiritual connection. The Bible says that God takes people and places them in his body, the body of Christ, as he wills. It is a spiritual connection. That's why you are here and you are not at a church on the other side of town. One of the things I discover in, in London is that people have a smorgasbord approach to spirituality. You know, kind of menu. Oh, in this restaurant, here we are, London. So what's on at KT this morning? Oh, yes, what's on at HTB? Oh, who's speaking? And people actually call them and say, who's speaking this morning? As if this was a, a restaurant and, and you just choose your own menu. That is not spiritual connection. You see, I have a body today. I hope you noticed that. And, and I, I've come in my body today. And my body has many members. And uh, each and every member in my body is connected to my body. Now, who put that body together? Biologically, we can speak about it. But this is an act of God's creation. Are you looking upon it this morning? You ought to be much more impressed than you are. You're looking <laughs> at an act of God's creation. And so are you. You're an act of God's creation. God has put us together physically. Amen? Whatever the biological processes, this is God. We are creations of God. The Bible says He knit us together in our mother's womb. Amen? How much more then is the body of Christ the act of God's supernatural creation? People say, well, yes, there is one body, one church, Jesus is the head. Yes, I know that all God's people all over the world are connected in the Spirit and are part of the one body of the universal church of Jesus Christ, and He is the head. But that body is, at this stage, a totally impractical body. It will only really come together when we're in heaven, and the whole company of God's people those who have already passed on and gone to be with Christ, those who are not yet born again, at the end of it all, we will be gathered into one great company, one great body of Christ in heaven. And it's a wonderful concept. And it means that we are at one with every single believer, every single brother and sister, whatever denomination or abomination they belong to. If they love Jesus, amen, if they love Jesus, and if they're true believers, it doesn't matter what their color or shape of their denomination. And we, are, we belong to the Elam denomination. We're not saying that we're the only body of Christ around. Of course not. So we are joined together, one in spirit, with all true believers in heaven and on earth, actually. But how does the body of Christ operate on this earth? It operates as the universal body of Christ manifests in local expressions of the body of Christ. And these local expressions of the body of Christ are God-ordained. God sets you into the body of Christ for two reasons. There to be blessed and there to be a blessing to others. And it's a spiritual connection. Now, that doesn't always have to be a big burning revelation. Sometimes people are, well, I'm in London. This is my nearest church. I'm happy here. I am going to be connected here. Now, that can be just as much of God as somebody who says, I had a dream, had a vision in the night. In fact, somebody who is a member of our church actually had a physical appearance of Christ Soon after he became a Christian from a Muslim background, and he had no idea what was happening, Jesus was sitting on his bed. He says, as clear as you and I can see each other, he saw Jesus. I've never had an experience like that. I don't understand it, but I accept the validity of this testimony. And the man said, who was Jesus, said, go on website, look up Kensington Temple, and go and join that church. Because when you get to that church... I will connect you to the leader of that church and you will be discipled by him. 
I'm paraphrasing those words, but it was something like that. And when that man came into the church service, I was up on the platform, and I saw him, and the Spirit said, call that man and go and speak to him after the service. And I said, I don't know why, but I feel like I want to talk to you. He never said anything about this until months later. But I connected with him, he connected with the church, and this is how God works. Now that is extraordinary, super, supernatural, amen? But it doesn't have to be like that for every single person. But you need to know that it's the Spirit who has connected you. Uh, You are one with what God is doing in this place, and you are part of this body. And if you are not part of this body, it's to be like cutting my finger off and putting it on one side and seeing how useful my little finger is. Amen? Amen? Now, you can transfer, and there are reasons why people move from one place to another for good, godly reasons, but I want to say the definition of church in the 21st century is not the place I used to go to. That's what the place I used to go to, the place I move on from. You don't ever move on from anything. It is God who makes the spiritual connection. So when Elisha was saying to Elijah, My father, my father, I want to inherit. He was saying, God has connected us. And the flow of the anointing always flows in line with spiritual connection. That's what people don't understand. Spiritual connection is the line by which the anointing flows. The Holy Spirit anoints us according to spiritual connection. The Bible says that Jesus is the Christ. The anointed head is in connection with his body. And like the oil of anointing that was on Aaron's head and flowed right down to the body, so the anointing of God flows to his body through the headship of the local church and those who are spiritually connected. So if you need power in your life, get connected. That's what this is all about. It was essentially relational. I had lunch this week with Richard Roberts. Does anybody know who Richard Roberts is? Who does not know who Richard Roberts is? Who knows who Richard Roberts is? Okay, very, very few. He's Oral Roberts' son. Oral Roberts, the great healing evangelist, pioneer of the 20th century. A man who lived into his 90s. Oral Roberts was the president of Oral Roberts University, moved on from that ministry, and then continued to work with Oral Roberts Evangelistic Association. And he said to me, so happy, because he feels released from all of the burdens of of institutionalism uh, and running and directing a massive university. And now he's just ready to carry on and work for Jesus and to pick up where his father left off. Very, very happy. A few months before, listen to this story. A few months before Oral Roberts died, it was Thanksgiving and he said to the family and said to Richard, his son, Richard, you are going to inherit the blessing and the anointing of my life and ministry. Amen? Okay, you got that? Now he said, You're gonna, I'm going to pass on to a bit of it now, but you will not get the rest of it until I go, provided you are there when I pass on. And he said, by the way, next January... In your, in your crusade that you're going to have in, in Kenya, you will see double the amount of people attending than the largest crusade I ever had. And so Richard said, I know what my dad's saying. My dad is saying he's going home to be with Jesus shortly. Along comes January, of course, and the anointing was amazing, and instead of the 100,000, which is the largest number, according to Richard, that his father had at a single crusade, there were 200,000. But something had happened in the meantime. Oral Roberts was in hospital, and the doctor said, there's a man, I think, 93, something like that, the time is coming, and this man's going to pass on. And so Richard stayed in the hospital, and as he was waiting in the presence of his father with life just beginning to 
slip away from him. And two angels came into the room. Big, massive, glorious angels. Stooped down over the body of Oral Roberts and as it were, scooped his spirit out of that body. And Richard Roberts saw a mantle, a cloak, come down. And he picked it up. And he said, Colin, I can't tell you the way the anointing has exploded in my ministry since then. Now there's a story and you know you can make whatever you want of the theology of that. I don't think we pass on something from person to person. Anointing comes from God. Amen. But this is how God works. I do not believe in transference. I believe in anointing from heaven. Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. And when you talk about being baptized in the Holy Spirit, you are clothed with power from on high. This has nothing to do with one person giving something to another. But there is a way in which God works and operates. You hang around people long enough and something rubs off. If there is a connection, there's going to be a flow. And if there is a flow, there's going to be an overflow. And I want you people to get ready because if you understand the principle of spiritual connection and you know what it is to connect where God has placed you, and if you know how it is to prosper where God has placed you, and if you know how it is to follow the vision out of the house that God has placed you into, if you know what it is to wait upon God and pray for one another and be connected to one another and be a real example of, the bod of a body of Christ, not the body, but a body of Christ expressing Christ's presence and glory in this city. If you know how to be connected and to walk together and to work together and to pray together and to share with one another and be totally committed to what God is doing in the house, if you understand these things, it means you will be, number one, connected, and number two, you will experience a flow of God's power that you will never experience any other way on God's earth. Give Jesus a mighty praise. That's why Elijah was very clear. If you see me go, it was not about being morbid. And if you read the passage, Elijah did everything possible to shake this young man off. He went from place to place. He said, stay here, I'm going to Bethel. And, and Elisha said, not on your life, not on your nelly, or whatever the, whatever the Hebrew equivalent was. No, 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 I'm, I'm, not, I'm not leaving, I'm going to stick with you. And he relocated himself several times to see if he could shake the young man off. But the young man would not be shaken off. He would not say, I don't care how crazy this guy is. I don't care how off-putting he is, how much he wants to get rid of me. I will not allow him to do that because I know my destiny is connected to this house and to this man of God. Amen. There are some people who find themselves so easily offended. They are offended if you look at them differently. They're offended because your mind's on something else and you walk past them in the street or whatever. They're offended in so many different ways, it is time to put down offense and pick up the mantle of God. You cannot carry the anointing of God while you're carrying offense. Drop offense. You, it's too expensive. It'll cost you everything. But understand where God has connected you. One day I'll tell you the inside story from my heart of how I came to be connected to this house. Won't do it now because time is gone. I chose to tell you the other story rather than that one. There's plenty of times for more stories. But I know exactly what I'm talking about. Connection is important. And connection is related to geographic location. You need to be where I am. I was speaking to my primary leaders this week. Are you, are you okay with this? My message isn't very structured because I wasn't 
I didn't have a plan to preach today, but so at least it gives me opportunity just to share from my heart. But is it making sense? Is it flowing? Okay. Um, this, this week, I was speaking to the men primary leaders, and um, I was talking about this principle of connection. And you don't, you don't, you can't just work with anybody and everybody. When God builds teams, He builds spiritual connections. And it's not all about personal preference or friendship or loyalty or making clones. I could bring all of the guys that are around me and you will see how very different they are from me. And in fact, there's only one room for one former ballet dancer. That's it. That's enough. That place is filled up. But we've got lots and lots of different people with different gifts, different personalities. So we don't try to make people in our image. We call people together who we know who've got different gifts so that together we can be a strong team. And the second thing about that, when we see how Jesus called his team, there, there was spiritual connection. But this is what he said. He said, come follow me and I'll make you become fishers of men. He didn't say, scatter yourselves and I'll visit you one by one and go running after you and see where you are. No, no. We need to be together. He chose his disciples that they could be together and spend time together and work together as a team. And so when somebody comes to me and says, this is the vision that God has given me and you must follow it, I'll say, listen, <laughs> this is the tail wagging the dog. Let's get it right. Amen? The anointing flows from the revelation of God from the leaders through to the body of Christ. And so it's about being where God has placed you to be. If you are not located in the place where God wants you to be, please don't expect that you will prosper as fully as you might. I mean, there are people, and John Glass, and I really need to repeat this because when he was preaching in the first service, it really witnessed in my spirit. There were two things that he said in the first service which I want to build on. The first thing was this, is that there are, there's time where there needs to be a stepping up in the ministry. Now, I'm not going anywhere, not at least that I know of. I'm not going anywhere, but I'll tell you, I am going somewhere. I'm going higher. I'm going higher. I'm not going to stay. I hope I'm not at this level by tomorrow even. I'm going higher. And if I go higher, you need to step up also. Amen? So, it, you've been long enough at the level. This is the word now. I don't know whether this is exactly what John was saying, but this is what's on my heart as I minister to you with 11 o'clock service. Here it is. You have been long enough at this level that you are at. God wants you to step up into his anointing and his power. Amen. The second thing is that everywhere the anointing fell, it was a specific place. Here, Elijah said, Elijah said to Elisha, as long as you are there when I go, you got to stick with me wherever I am. That's where you must be. It was a way of saying like Jesus said, follow me and I will make you. Follow me and I will make you. All right? So, you need to be exactly where God has placed you. That's the soil in which you will flourish. That's where you will be clothed with power. And really now switching into the New Testament, I'm pretty sure that many of you will see that the anointing of God falling on Elisha is a kind of picture of what was going to happen on the day of Pentecost. See, Elijah was taken up to heaven. People say, what are all these strange Old Testament stories? I remember the 1970s reading a book about this was a spaceship and we we're all populated by people from another space and this was a spaceship coming down. You know, what is it, what you, they were snatched by aliens and, and this is what they were saying. I mean, that's such an alien interpretation of Second Kings. But this book was saying absolutely with authority, this is all about aliens. This was an alien spaceship. No, it wasn't. It was God. God setting a pattern in place that was going to be fulfilled in the New Testament time. What was that pattern? Elijah was caught up bodily into heaven. That is a picture of the ascension of Jesus Christ. Amen? Remember in John chapter, whatever the chapter is, John chapter 7, verse 38 and 39, uh, that's exactly the chapter, exactly the verse, look it up, uh, all right, where 
Jesus says that he that believes in me out of inmost being shall flow rivers of living water. And John adds this, he spoke of the Spirit who was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Acts chapter 2, him being exalted to the right hand of the Father has poured out what what you both see and hear. So Jesus had to be exalted and ascended to heaven, to that former place where he could receive the promise of the Father. Remember, Jesus said, if I, if I don't go away, then the Holy Spirit will not come. But if I go away, I will promise I will send him, just as my Father has promised. So when Jesus was raised from the dead, and finally he was exalted to heaven, that was the very moment in which he could receive the promise of the Father that he might pass on that promise to us, which is the glorious anointing and fullness of the Holy Spirit, called in Acts chapter 2, being baptized with the Holy Spirit. But even that promise was going to happen at a specific place and at a specific time in between the resurrection and the coming of of the Spirit. There were uh, quite a few weeks, Pentecost, all right, 50 days after Passover, 50 days, and Jesus was raised from the third, on the third day. So there is about six weeks when Jesus went around appearing on this earth in his resurrection body. And that was a very special time so that there would be many witnesses who could say, yes, Jesus was really raised from the dead. And when he was raised from the dead, he didn't just come back to normal earthly existence an earthly experience. He had a resurrected body. It was real. It was physical, but different. And that's the same body you and I are going to have in the future kingdom. Amen. But in that resurrected body, there came a moment when Jesus was taken away from them. And uh, before he, he was, he said, now, I want you to stay here. And there was about 10 days Don't leave the city. Don't leave the city. Stay here until you are clothed with power from on high. And for once, the disciples listened to him. I imagine even today, there'd be people, uh, if I say, stay here until I return, they'll say, well, I don't exactly know why. Did we discuss that? Why? I think I'll go and come back and maybe you'll catch him. No, no, no. Those people listened to instructions. When instructions come from the Holy Spirit, never, never minimize them. One quick story about that point, just to show how important it is. Many years ago, I went to, to northern Nigeria to a city called Sokoto. Anybody know Sokoto? And right now, In Sokoto, it's very, very dangerous because it's strongly Islamic. And and up there in northern Nigeria, the uh, radical Muslims are seeking to implement Sharia uh, and close down churches. And there's a lot of persecution, even killing of Christians and burning of churches. Now, all those years ago, that stuff was fermenting under the surface. And they greeted me at the airport one man who I have had, he was Nigerian, therefore he was black, but everything else about him, he was totally identical to the Apostle Paul. I thought the Apostle Paul had come back, this man was so fiery, even his robes, I can just imagine that Agbada looked as if he was Paul. I kept saying, is, is he Paul? No, he's not. He's, I won't give you his name, but he, he was just a very powerful uh, Uh, evangelist and uh, African pastor, Nigerian pastor. And he said, I've got good news for you here in Sokoto. I said, what's that? He said, oh, we are preaching the gospel in the open air. I said, that's wonderful, but why are you so excited? We've never done that before. Why not? Because they kill preachers who preach in the open air. (laughs) I said, "Um, I have the letter of invitation here. And it doesn't say that. He said, no, we we didn't say that because we didn't think you'd come. I said, you're you're absolutely right. 
I wouldn't have come. But anyway, to cut a long story short, um, we did preach. And our uh, intercession team in London got a real word from the Lord. Pray for the children. Pray for the children. Now, why would you pray for the children? It wasn't a children's crusade. In fact, we didn't call it crusade. It's a very insensitive term if you're preaching to Muslims. Festival of love, because that's exactly what it was. Preaching the gospel. said, Pray for the children. Pray for the Lord. Pray for the children. Work on the, work on the hearts of the children. What had happened was the authorities had bribed children to go to this place and start a riot, and they would bring in the police, and they were going to go in with all guns blazing, whatever that means, you know. They were really, and there would have been fatalities. Anyway, when the children came, they just stood and did nothing because God spoke to them. They were so captivated by the presence of God. And yeah, my preaching, blissfully unaware of all of this stuff, just knowing I had to be very careful and do what exactly the Holy Spirit told me. And that second night, so many people came to Christ. There were so many signs and wonders and miracles. And nearly everybody who came to Christ the second night were people who were former Muslims and they recognized the authority and the power of Jesus Christ. I'll tell you, Muslims are being saved daily by the thousands all over this world. Amen. Then they came to me and said, brother, we need to get you out of town because they're going to come and kill you. And, and we have to, have to come in through different routes and go all underground. And, and I asked the Holy Spirit. And he said, stay where you are. He said, you can't stay where you are. The hotel is owned by a Muslim. You can't stay there. The Holy Spirit says, stay where you are. I'll look after you. I wasn't brave. Believe me. I just heard. I was just obedient. I stayed where I was. Because right there in that place, God had promised me to keep, keep me safe. They did try and do something, but it didn't work. Hallelujah. They set a little trap, but it didn't work. Hallelujah. Galaba shakala. That's tongues for hallelujah, glory to God. They did try something, but it didn't work. And we were kept absolutely safe. But because we were where God told us to be. And it's the same thing. Jesus said, stay in Jerusalem until you be clothed with power from on high. Stay where he has placed you. For that's where he will connect you. And that's where God can use you. And his power will flow. Stay where God can use you. And I'm trying to get some eye contact there with these people come, who are so captivated by what I say. Thank you very much. That's very good. That's what I need. Kick it! No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Um, I, I still have um, John's notes here, and what I want to turn to is just this, this point, which I think was very, very powerful. He was speaking this morning about heaven responding to a hungry heart, heaven responding to a humble heart, and that's exactly what Richard Taylor said. And then he speaks about Qumran, and you need to know about that little place. It's tucked up in Wales, far away, nothing to speak of. In John's notes it says, not just working class, but underclass. Nothing there. And they call it the Tin Cathedral. That tells you what it's about. It tells you what it looks like. When God has said, I'm going to meet with you there. If we are hungry... And our hearts are humble. And we are where God has called us to be. We cannot miss it. Don't you miss it today? How many people know, and it's a real serious question, how many people know with everything within them right now, in this building, at this time, you are exactly where God wants you to be? Let's see your hand. Should you be somewhere else, do you think? No. We're here by the plan of God. Even if you thought, mm, I don't, where shall I go? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. You might think you were here totally of your own accord, but not. God has brought you here today. 
that you can be connected, reconnected, freshly connected, more powerfully connected with him. Whatever your future is. You might step out of this building, you may be a visitor, you may never ever come back into this building. But you are here today for God to do something. Now this is so sure and so certain that we do not need to make a song and dance about it. I'm not going to sing. I'm not going to dance. I'm going to moment invite you to stand. And we're going to ask God to pass on to every single person here from the dimension of His Holy Spirit, from His Holy Presence, whatever we need. I stepped onto the platform after the nine o'clock when John Glass had preached and I felt so strong in the anointing. We continued to minister for a bit and people were touched. But whatever it is, this is no mistake. This is no mistake. The Holy Spirit is here to meet with you. He is here right now to connect with you. And if you can accept that this moment has been ordained by God in heaven, whoever you are, wherever you are seated under the sound of my voice right now, God will bless you. I think I'm getting a word of knowledge for somebody in the uh, coronet. You are a visitor at least. This is, you, this is your unique time, your first time, or I just see you not as a regular person and and, and this word is for you. I believe that God has brought you to be in that place where you are over the road, to hear this message for the very first time. Well, to hear this message, you're the first time you are there. You are not a regular person. You don't consider yourself really to belong to Kensington Temple, but you're here for, for a reason, whatever that reason is, practically or humanly. It might have been a friend, might have been an invitation, might have just been an off-the-cuff decision. But I want to say... None of the above has been accidental. God is going to speak to you. God is going to touch you. God's going to transform you. And I see you stepping into a whole new dimension. Probably, now I'm making some surmise, probably you have been thinking about this point in your life. Maybe you have already been preparing for it and you've got your own ideas. Maybe, probably, but I'm just guessing that point. But I know this, by the time we finished today, God will have made a difference. And you will step into your future and it will, you will regard your future as a whole different reality from this day onwards because God is working and God is bringing transformation. Let's all stand in his presence. Lift your hands in his presence right now. I'm sure there's been enough that has been said today. Perhaps not as well structured and as normal. But the Holy Spirit has spoken to you nonetheless. Maybe this whole situation today has been engineered by the Holy Spirit unusual circumstances, unusual presentation for God to do something unusual in your life. Somebody is being healed in the back of your neck and the spine right down there. I see very specific healing presence. Can I just demonstrate on, on you exactly what I see? Somebody in the, from right there, very strong healing in that part of your body. I don't know what it is, could very well be arthritis or some, some form of spinal condition, but I just see it very, very strong from the middle of the shoulder blades down. Receive your healing right now. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you were sensing some tingling or some heat or some other bodily sensation right there to show that God is working in that part of your body. Anybody with any form of neck condition, anybody that's ever had a, a, a hairline fracture, 
to any of their vertebrae at any part of the body, although right now I'm focusing on the neck. Anybody that has had ongoing suffering as a result of whiplash, all those kind of neck conditions are, are, are occurring to me right now. And I pray that God will touch you right now. Don't despise this. Just make connection. It's very simple. Nobody's trying to be clever. Nobody's trying to show off here. I'm just simply seeking humbly to announce what the Holy Spirit is doing in your body and what the potential is right now for you in your body. Let the Holy Spirit set you free. Father God, release your servants right now. For the person in the coronet, Lord, I pray, anoint them with your Holy Spirit. Bring that spiritual connection and realization and make their tomorrows be part of a total different reality by comparison to everything up to this point. Transformation, transformation, a complete relocation is taking place from one place to another place in the spirit. That's what's happening to you, that specific person in the coronet. But for all of us, Lord, we want to step up. We know that our Jesus has already been exalted, that we look to Jesus. We don't look to Elijah. We look to Jesus because Jesus is greater than Elijah. He is not just a prophet. He is the Son of God. He is the risen, glorified Son of God. And He is seated at the right hand of the Father. And He releases His Holy Spirit to us right now. I pray, Father, for the anointing and the flow of the Spirit. Now, I want you to draw from this spiritual anointing, this atmosphere. You, I'm not going to do it to you. That's just not how it works. Lift up. That's right. You, you need to ask God what you want. You need to tell God what you need right now. You don't have to leave this place the same. You don't have to do that. Don't have to do that. Add your faith to the moving of the Spirit. Determine that you will be connected to where God has placed you. Determine that you will put your roots in the soil where he has planted you. Determine that you will follow the vision of the house where he has connected you. And don't say, I can't. Because the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's time that you used your faith to push back the barriers and the blockages and the, and the restrictions. It's time that you shook off the shackles of the devil over your heart, over your mind. You need to add your faith to the moving of the Holy Spirit. And you need to believe that you can do it. Nothing is too difficult for God. Some of the things that you are calling impossible are just so possible, so doable. God hasn't even begun to show you the impossibilities that you have to do even the possible some of you are calling impossible because the devil has so oppressed you told so many lies that you are unworthy that you are guilty that you have nothing to give that you are worthless that you have no capacity I want to tell you these are simple lies of the devil you need to discover who you are and then God will show you what is really impossible and then he will show you just a grain of seed, 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 like a mustard seed, is enough to move a mountain. Because we are called to be supernaturally connected to God, supernaturally connected to one another. I am the vine, you are the branches. Without me, you can do nothing, Jesus says, which means connected to me, with me. You can do all things. This is the word of the Lord. Amen and amen. Now this connection is about taking the God's Word and running with it. It's not about having an experience. It's not about saying, I went to that church and everything was marvelous, it was amazing, the power of God hit the place, I couldn't stand for six hours. People of God, I've been there and I understand that and sometimes it's God, but a lot of times it's people doing everything other than obeying the Word of the living God. You need to put your faith into practice. You need to put the word into practice. You need to believe God. He gives power for what he is doing. He does not give power for what he's not doing. We all need him in every area of our lives. Okay, I'm just hearing something now. Uh, I see a person, I think it's a woman. When I say I see and I think, it's only because God doesn't tell us everything we want to know, it just tells us what we need to know. 
just need to know to release and, 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 and uh, encourage and enhance what God's doing. And here's a person, I think it's a woman. And very specifically, here's the very specific part. In very recent days, in fact, today being Father's Day might have even been the catalyst in your own heart and mind. But you in very recent days have come before God and got on your knees before Him concerning your family. And you've said, God, your word says, me and my house, you and your house. You said to the Lord, where is this household? I've been praying for my family. I want to see my family saved. And God is responding to your prayer right now. And this is what he's saying. According to your faith, so shall it be. Believe my word and you shall prosper. Believe my word and it shall be according to your word. Did you get that? God says, believe my word and it shall be according to your word. So there's something you said to God, which I don't know exactly. And God has heard it. He said, what you said will happen, but you must believe my word. Amen and amen. Give Jesus praise. Just before we close, does anybody want to say, I, that hap- I know exactly about that family. I'm the person. Does anybody want to say that today? All right, there's several people, so the word was quite general. But is anybody saying, no, 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 you really understand. I'm happy everybody lift their hands, but I know it was me, 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 because I know exactly what that word was. And it happened exactly as you've just said. Well, praise God. Let's give Jesus praise. Amen and amen. Father, on this Father's Day, we pray for the anointing of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit to be upon the family of God and we lift up the name of our Father by whom every family in heaven and earth has been named. Father, bless our house, bless our household, bless our families. Let the salvation of the Lord flow to every household. We pray for our cell leaders as they connect with the vision of God. We pray for our members and all those who participate in the the things of God in this house. Cause them to flourish. Cause them to walk in the Spirit and be fruitful for the sake of Jesus. Amen and amen.